Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 119 with Simon Griff of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Goh, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host coming to you live from hometown Melbourne, Australia. This episode is part four of the six-piece crowdfunding series. Uh, We're doing this, uh, if you are just joining us, because we're running a crowdfunding campaign ourselves, and we wanted to, you know, interview some of the top crowdfunding campaigners, whether it's Indiegogo or Kickstarter, see how they did it, because we wanted to learn how to crush our own campaign. Now, we are one week in. If you are following us along the way, make sure you go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com forward slash book, and you can see how our campaign is going. Uh, We were lucky enough uh, to be able to utilize a lot of what you're learning from these, um, you know, the past four episodes and, you know, the next two to come. You'll be able to learn so much gold and we've implemented all this stuff and it does work. Trust me, it does work. We got funded in three days and we're creating this coffee table book. It's called Founder Version 1.0 and it has just interviews, insights, top lessons, tips from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, like Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin, 
you name it, so many more, Barbara Corcoran. So if you do enjoy this podcast, I highly urge and encourage you to go and check out that crowdfunding campaign. You can see how we're going and I'd absolutely love your support. If you'd want to get a physical book, it's our first physical product. A small portion of every book sold goes to charity. So, you know, it's just an absolute no-brainer and I know you're going to love this book. It's never been done before. Now, I cannot stress enough, that's it from me. Now let's talk about today's guest. His name is Simon Griff and he's he's uh, the founder of a company called Who Gives a Crap and they provide toilet paper but it's a social enterprise and the way that he raised money for his crowdfunding campaign was really, really interesting. I'm going to leave it to you guys. I'm not going to tell you how but he's, it's like guerrilla marketing tactics and it's so out there like what he did, how could you not get press? So it's something to think about, something to shake things up for you guys. And I know you're going to love this episode. So that's it from me. I just want to highly urge you, go and check out the campaign. Would love your support. We need as, um, we need to get this book into the hands of as many entrepreneurs as possible because it's going to change so many lives. So I don't mean to sound pushy. Don't mean to sound salesly. I just believe in it. So you can go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com forward slash book to check out the campaign. And now let's jump into the show. I was really impressed by your campaign, uh, who gives a crap uh, for, your, for your business and uh, for this, yeah, for this idea. And um, I just wanted to know, firstly, what was your greatest struggle with the campaign? I guess for us, there was, I mean, our campaign's a bit different to most people's in that there was a big PR component alongside it. And probably what, you know, what's quite different is that there was a really strict kind of time frame for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. In that basically, if we didn't hit our target relatively quickly, there could be some pretty significant like <laughs> physical ramifications for me personally, because I was stuck <laughs> sitting on a toilet. Um, so, yeah, so... I guess the biggest thing for us was that normally with a PR campaign like that, you've you've got more time to kind of build the campaign and get the coverage that you need. Whereas for us, we had to basically get everything in the first 24 hours. Otherwise, there wasn't much point in it happening after that point. And so that was really tricky to kind of time and, and get all of that right. And we worked with a PR firm to do that just because it would have been physically impossible for us to do that with, you know, the size of our team. So it ended up kind of working quite well, but we had some really like bizarre things happen. Like we'd been covered multiple times by Huffington Post and a bunch of new US media outlets had gone like crazy viral through uh, Brazil and Greece uh, being on the front page of one of the papers. And then uh, it took three days for the A. Like we've been chasing you guys for four days and been written up all across the world. Like, why is this only happening? You know, how does not news here, but everywhere else is happy to, to write it up. So um, that was kind of one of the most confusing things. And so those articles went live online uh, about eight hours before we hit the $50,000 target. So, you know, pretty much midnight before, um, yeah, before we hit the target. So by the time they came out, they didn't actually have that much benefit left for us because um, the stunt was kind of winding up. I'm curious, um, what strategies and tactics would you give to somebody around getting press for their crowdfunding campaign? The most tricky thing is that, you know, it's got to be news. Um, If you're going to newspapers, it's got to be news. Otherwise, you need to find the right blogs or websites that 
report on the sort of thing that you're crowdfunding for. So if it's food and bev, obviously, you know, your broadsheets kind of style media is, is going to be on your hit list. If it's more um, lifestyle products, then you need to be looking at um, your lifestyle blogs and, and yeah, and, and the right kind of targeting the right people, I suppose. So for us, we had, I guess, a pretty broad reach because of the stunt component. It was something that a lot of people were interested in writing up, regardless of whether, you know, they normally talk about toilet paper, which no one does. And that was the point of, um, of our campaign. We knew that, you know, we were dealing with a product that it was difficult to attract attention for. And as a result, we had to do something that would kind of make us stand out. So, you know, if you've got an awesome product or a killer cult following, you probably don't need to sit in a toilet for 50 hours. But when you're selling, you know, potentially the world's most boring product, then um, you need to kind of add some flair. <laughs> Yeah, look, I just have to say it's just it's such a cool idea and it's like not just the camp not just the camp like the idea for the campaign and the stunt, but like what you're doing and the impact you're having on the world. And I'm curious, like what are some of the key attributes you think that are required when somebody is looking to come up like with an idea that's feasible? And, and take it to the crowdfunding, go down the crowdfunding route? Like what, what are some key attributes that that product or service has to have? Yeah, it's tricky to say. I mean, you know, you can crowdfund pretty much anything and everything these days. I, I think people want to see that it's something that's realistic and, and isn't going to have quality issues because I think it's easy to now develop products that um, or crowdfund products that can be hard to physically develop and then you can end up with something that's, you know, not necessarily what you're expecting. Um, so being able to convince people of, of the quality side of things is really important. But yeah, I think it's a really tricky question because, you know, it probably depends whether you're, yeah, what you're creating, I guess. What is your best recommendation from your experience on getting traffic or getting your campaign found? I know you said that press was the biggest element for you. Was there any other uh, strategies or tactics that you found to be very effective? The things that we kind of were going for with our campaign were to one, make it newsworthy. So to create something that would um, make it something that people would write about um, on blogs and in newspapers. And then the other thing that was really important was to make it shareable. So it's one thing to get press written up, but you need to be able to amplify the number of people that will see that press by um, encouraging the audience that reads about it to then go and tell someone else about it to share it and, and help spread the word. And that was a really key element for our campaign. So it was about engaging our potential supporters to not only back us financially, but to help us by sharing what we were doing with a larger audience. And so we, I guess, created you know, a digital asset that was really valuable for, for someone to go and tell someone else about because it was, I guess, comical and, and interesting. And that was kind of what helped us to reach the audience that we did. Mm, I noticed you, you had a landing page as well for, I never saw your, um, your original one, but your second, your second one where you needed to raise more. Do you recommend having like a landing page with a countdown timer or like a separate one or, or anything like that? Um, for our campaign, it was kind of crucial because we couldn't do everything that we needed to on the physical mm. um, crowdfunding site. So we had to kind of, um, yeah, we wanted to, to customize what our audience would see and have a single landing page that all of our, the, you know, the messaging that we created was all pointing uh, to that one place. So um, that was kind of a key part of our campaign, but then also trying to figure out how to reduce the amount of friction to then get someone to go and physically, you know, back us um, financially from that page as well. So it was, um, yeah, a little bit of an interesting process to go through 
I think, again, like it sort of depends what you're doing. If you've got like a killer product and a killer story and you can tell that on the crowdfunding page, then there's no reason to kind of go through that whole process. And, and creating additional landing pages does, you know, can confuse the message, makes it harder to get someone to actually physically give you, give you money. So it's, it's probably, yeah, something that I wouldn't recommend as, you know, as being a necessity, but in our case, it made sense. So it was a very specific scenario. Hmm, I see. And when it comes to to the platform, how what, why did you choose Indiegogo over Kickstarter? Like, how do you work out? How did you work out what what is the best platform for you guys? So we were um, we were launching simultaneously in the US and Australia. So we needed a platform that had as much currency as possible in both geographies. We did some quick kind of surveying to see which platforms people had heard of in both geographies. And we found that that sort of, you know, meant that we had to be going probably with the US platform because the Australian platforms that we were looking at hadn't kind of had as much exposure in the US. And also at the time, crowdfunding wasn't something that was, you know, I think as understood as what it is now. So we needed to, I guess, have a platform that people were familiar as familiar with as possible. Um, so we ended up looking at Kickstarter and Indiegogo and um, we went through the process of setting up a Kickstarter and then our campaign was actually denied because we were in breach of their their campaign rules and we're not sure exactly you know what reason that was for but they um one of their rules is they don't allow you to donate a portion of profits from the campaign or promise a future donation of a portion of profits and so potentially we were in breach of of that with our campaign but um yeah it was a little bit tricky because the the campaign guidelines changed whilst we were developing the the campaign to go live and so we had designed it around the initial guidelines that they you know, had, had online and then they changed just before we um, tried to upload everything and, and get it happening. And when it came to planning the campaign, how long did that take and what, what, would, you be, what would you recommend in time, in time spent? Like how much do you think, like how many hours did you guys spend and how big is your team? So at the time, our team was uh, really kind of, working on it properly was only sort of two of us but we had additional people that were helping with all sorts of stuff from from web dev to um graphic design to you know the pr side of things that we already talked about so there was a lot of people kind of um i guess across different different layers of the campaign but physically in our office we had two at the time now our campaign again was kind of you know quite different because we knew that it was going to be a high intensity short campaign if it was going to be successful and so there had to be a lot of planning in order to get all the ducks in a row to, you know, to make those first 24 hours really count because we couldn't rely on, you know, bringing it home in the final hours of a 30 or long, you know, 30 day or longer campaign, which is, um, yeah, what you, you know, we'll often see on crowdfunding campaigns, I guess. Um, so we're probably, again, kind of not, you know, you're not your typical scenario. Um, and as a result, had a huge amount of planning that went into it, even to the, you know, figuring out the right launch date. And I think we tried to launch a week earlier and realized that we'd be colliding with the 4th of July holiday in the US, which meant that in that year, pretty much that entire week was wiped out by half of the country being on holiday at the start of the week and half of the country being on holiday at the end of the week. And so we had to delay basically to kind of capture the, you know, the highest internet traffic period possible across the Australian and US geographies. Wow, I see. So roughly, can you give us an estimate how long you guys planned this? worked on it in prep? Jayhan and I kind of did our first take on a video in January and at that point realized that it probably wasn't quite right. Um, we then got some really awesome um, marketing advice from an ad firm in, in Melbourne that helped us to kind of 
develop the, what we were doing further and kind of tweak the concept. And it, it, we thought we'd go live kind of in Feb or March, and then it just kept on getting continuously pushed back. And it literally wasn't until July that the campaign actually did go live. So there was, you know, I guess a six-month gestation period. We weren't working on it full-time during that period, but it kind of took that long for all of the ideas to come together to get it to the point where we were happy to execute on it. And that's, you know, again, it's kind of not typical for a regular crowdfunding campaign because we were really treating it as a brand launch and we're testing a lot of other bits and pieces um, alongside whether, you know, people would financially back us. And because we're working, you know, with, with toilet paper, which isn't the most exciting products we had to, we thought it was necessary to create a very slick launch video so that we could kind of um, signal the quality of what we were looking to produce based on the quality of the video content that we created. So it was, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, you know, a very um, specific case. And that's why it took us probably longer than what we'd recommend spending on a, a normal campaign. When it comes to the, the uh, crowdfunding page, the crowdfunding landing page, I know you guys had a separate one as well. Um, are there any tactics or strategies around uh, effective sales copy, you know, how you would lay it out, videos? Um, I mean, the main thing for us is that when someone's going to a separate landing page, they can't physically give you money from that page. So we were figuring out how to reduce the friction of getting them from that page to the donation page. And the whole, all of the messaging on that page is all about take the next step, you know, push this button to go to the, the page where you can physically donate. You know, it's all about backing us now, get behind us now um, was kind of the focus of that. So, I mean, what was great about that page is we could customize every element of it. We could um, have multiple videos on there, which isn't necessarily easy on some of the crowdfunding platforms, do lots of bits and pieces to kind of get that right. And we also built this huge kind of platform that um, using Discuss that enabled uh, potential backers to come in and, and have a conversation with us live to comment on what we were doing and kind of, you know, create engagement through that as well. So, yeah, there are a lot of kind of different elements that, that went into that, but I guess all of them were, were all about how we get someone to become a backer and how we can um, then get them to you know, tell someone else about what we're doing. So that was, I guess, the key messaging that we worked to. Okay. And uh, look, we have to work towards wrapping things up. Um, I'd like two to three general tips that you would recommend to anyone looking to launch and run a successful campaign and get it fully funded. Yeah, I guess, you know, planning is, is a big one. So it's really about figuring out what your strategy is, you know, once the campaign goes live, because it's one thing to produce a campaign, it's another thing to get people to physically back it. Um, so there needs to be, you know, your outreach to your friends and family, which should be happening and, and be planned before the campaign actually goes live, because typically for a stranger to come and support you, they want to see 20 to 30% of your campaign target already reached. Otherwise, they'll be saying to themselves, look, if this person's friends aren't getting behind them, then why the hell would I? Um, so friends and family is a big part of that. And then, you know, looking at who in your network can help kind of amplify the message and, and get that out to a larger audience by using their social media channels or um, media partnerships or contacts that you can leverage off. Um, so planning is definitely a big one. I think then, yeah, physically figuring out what your messaging is so that when someone shares what you're doing with, with um, whoever they're going to share it with, that messaging is consistent regardless of who it is that's sharing it. So you don't want them reading an article somewhere and ending up with a different message to what they'd get if they were looking physically at your campaign page. You want that message to be consistent, tweetable, something that's very easily shareable and all pointing back to the same place with the idea of converting whoever's seeing that to 
become a backer. And a third piece, oh, I don't know. I guess you don't necessarily need to have the slickest video out there. And um, for our product, we thought we did because we were, you know, again, we're kind of working with toilet paper, which isn't super exciting. But there's a ton of campaigns that, you know, have shown that it's not necessarily about how good your video is. It's about how good this product that you're trying to get people to back really is as well as you know a really successful launch campaign so some awesome i think there's two awesome articles that that i've seen um since we did our campaign one of them's called how to crowdfund fifty thousand dollars in your spare time i think on yep. forbes and the other one is um written by mike del ponte who crowdfunded soma um on the four hour work week blog tim ferris's blog so both of those are worth looking at Mike's one goes into, you know, a hell of a lot of detail and, and goes, I think, deeper than what's necessary. But the other article on Forbes, I think, is awesome. It kind of shows how feasible it is to, to you know, get something off the ground without investing super ridiculous amounts of time, which is, I think, really important because all you're trying to do is prototype something and get enough backing to take it to the next stage. Mm, well, yeah, that's, that's great advice, man. And yeah, look, I just have to say that was such a cool idea. Like who would not want to just like get behind you or, or look, look at what you're doing or, you know, tell your friends. And it was such a smart idea. Like it was really impressive. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, we, we had a lot of fun with it and we're still having a hell of a lot of fun <laughs> with it. So, um, you know, it's, it, crowdfunding is really all about what happens after that campaign wraps up. And for us, it's been awesome. So, um, yeah, it's um, a lot of fun. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.